And now I'm going to break open your rib cage <laughs> and eat your lungs. <laughs> and then the sound of me eating your lungs. <clears throat> Let's get into cannibal ASMR, and I promise you we could probably make a killing. Literally. Is that not already a thing? I don't know. Probably not. Hmm. Fuck it. Welcome to the 20th, 20th, two, zero. 20th episode. Where's my trombone? Yeah, where's your <laughs> trombone? Where's the freaking balloons? No balloons. This Upsetting. Time. The 20th episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Paige. My name is Zach. Hello. 20 episodes. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Look at us go. We've been doing this way too long for no good reason. Has it even been that long? <laughs> we do an episode like every week. It was, uh, was it end of July we started? Beginning of August? It's like four months. Wow. That's crazy. 20 episodes. What a time to be alive. We made it. How's your life, man? Should we do uh, like tequila shots? Hell no. <laughs> I am so tired. I am dreading <laughs> drinking this next beer because oh, I yeah. need to drive home. That's right. Uh, I'm slowly waking up. No, I've, I've gotten to that point to where I'm. I've gotten so tired. I'm like starting to you know, plateau. Yeah. Um, no, I'm. I'm tired. As starting hell. to wake up a little bit even more. Um. Yeah, this is episode twenty, and uh, we wanted to do, um, kind of a, wanted to pick a cooler topic, uh, for episode twenty, much like episode ten. So the topic. It's aliens. Aliens. This is uh, going to be a cool topic for Paige. I kind of wish that you weren't uh, as tired as you were so you could enjoy it more. Because I love aliens. Paige does love aliens. Uh, so we're recording this right after episode 19. <laughs> the same day. It is uh, 1037 p.m. Sleepy babies. And um, we're both very tired. So yes. we're going to try our best to make it through this episode um and normally well when you're listening to this it will be 2021 um ain't that wild <coughs> hello future so this is from the past 2020 is over uh page how do you think your week was <laughs> that week the week yeah. that hasn't happened yet right the uh, one that hasn't happened yet from the 30th to the 6th of january how did that, how did that go i probably slept a lot yeah mhm hmm that is my plan. What about Oh, work? we could talk about New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah. Do you have any for the year? I do. Um, last episode I mentioned I gained uh, 20 pounds, mm. <laughs> which to me is a lot. I just think it makes you look healthy. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I just haven't, you know, it's a lot to gain in about a year. Uh, I was always steady 120. I thought it would be 120 pounds for the rest of my life. That's <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> uh but i want to get in shape i want to start going back to the gym hopefully we can we can do that soon um and if i even if i can't i'd like to start uh doing some type of small workout every single morning i think you should start doing pilates so uh maybe pilates maybe goat yoga um i can buy a goat with my christmas money and yes. do goat yoga specifically just for goat yoga yep um but, like, I'm thinking, like, pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, uh, a little bit every day, every morning, you know? Uh, it should be easier since I'll be on a new schedule. Um, since I'm on a new schedule now, I switched on the third. Um, so, getting getting more in shape. And uh, that's about it. I finally, my Discover card that I've had since, I, like, 2014, yeah. 2013, I finally paid it off. Oh, hey, cool. So I'm proud of that, too. That's exciting. So another New Year's resolution is to get rid of the rest of my debt. I believe in you. I'm working on it. What about you? None. 
Zero. The only New Year's resolution I've ever stuck with is to not drink soda. Ooh. And, like, that was years and years and years ago. That's a decent one. So, like, I don't stick to anything else. Maybe be better with my money. Budget. There we go. Budget. Budget my life better. That's it. That is my only New Year's resolution. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. Happy, happy 2021. Happy New Year. Um, and uh, we hope this year will be better than last year. Yeah. For many reasons. 2020 was a wild ride. Absolute shit show. Um, but uh, I don't think we need to do much, much more talking about us. No. Let's get into episode 20 on aliens so the beer i have picked is from illuminated brew works oh let me pull out of the fridge okay it is called oh do you mean to wait i'll wait the beer i picked (laughs) (laughs) transitioned into that is from illuminated brew works it is called junior astronaut juice which i think is just the cutest oh my gosh junior astronaut juice it's so adorable it sounds like the most adorable beer we've ever had on the show honestly illuminated brew works is a chicago based brewery and we are just killing it with these chicago brews gotta represent Producing beer for interesting times, from big hazy IPAs to yeast-driven urban farmhouses, adjunct-rich stouts, adjunct, adjunct, yeah, adjunct, adjunct, adjunct. yeah, adjunct. whatever, and experimentally driven sours and fruit beers. Our offerings rotate seasonally to celebrate the annual cycle. Hell yeah! The founder and head brewer is Brian Buckman, the brewmaster, huh? Yeah, he is a um. Seibel? Siebel? S-I-E-B-E-L. Siebel? Siebel? Uh, Institute-trained brewer with a focus on yeast cultivation and fermentation techniques. Jeez. He has been studying brewing since 2008. This guy's smart. Matt Shirley is a founder and business manager. manager. Yep. He is president of Gourmet 45, a Chicago-based catering company. He has worked there since 2003. Uh, James Monk, he is the facilities manager and assistant brewer. He is a 20-year AWS certified welder and has been managing Grover Welding for the past 13 of those years. Of those years. Mm-hmm. Jason designed and fabricated our brew house as well as the first legally registered food truck in the city of Chicago. Jeez. That's cool. Hey, cool it, cool it guys. It's got a, some, uh, there's a lot of and... people. Uh, Wally List, Mello Lucas, Jim Myers, and um, Armin Mabry are sales representatives. Uh, and it goes into detail of them, but I'm just mm-hmm. lazy. Mm-hmm. Junior Astronaut Juice, this is from the website, is a crushable 6% IPA made with the same hop bill as Astronaut Juice and Astronaut Ice Cream. Crushable! But designed to be a bit more mild, a bit more genial. A bit more of a companion down those bumpy roads okay. of a 14-hour drinking binge uh, than its older cousins. Um. <laughs> Come get this lovable expression of mosaic and Pacifica hops while it lasts. Uh, I'm sorry. So what kind of beer is it? An, American. Uh, American. Um, APA? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. American IPA. Um, on Beer Advocate. <laughs> an American IPA? Yeah, an American IPA. <laughs> <laughs> It's like saying um, ATM machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is on Beer Advocate. It is scored in 88, which is very good. Decent. It is ranked 2,386 out of APAs on the website. It's ABV, like I said, is 6%. Uh, it is ranked uh, overall on the website, 17,323. Mm-hmm. It has an average score of 3.98. Not bad. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. My review comes from CRM871. Kerm. Kerm. He gave it a 3.92 out of 5. He says the look pours a hazy yellow with a light layer of white head. Great looking beer. The smell is citrus. It hits you almost immediately as you start Mm. pouring. Uh, He's getting hints of pineapple, lemon, melon, grapefruit, and orange. 
which I always love fruit-based beers. Okay. Uh, taste is a bit more subtle than the smell, not in a disappointing way, but a bit unexpected. Definitely getting the citrus fruits, uh, fruits again on the taste, mostly pineapple and orange, and there are some floral tastes as well. Uh, feel, it's pretty light to low medium body, easy to drink, smooth, dry finish. And overall, a solid beer, great IPA to have during the day while watching a football or hockey game. Okay. Should we put a football or hockey game on? We got to. <clears throat> That's the rule. Kerm said so. Are you opening? Yeah. I got to look at the... Hold on. I'm looking at the can. The can is so cute. It's got a little astronaut with like a really pretty... Um, my brain just sucked. Aww. What's like, like a tie-dye sort of thing going on in the helmet? Go. It's like stripes. Illuminated brew works. It's very cute. Double dry hopped. <laughs> Enjoy with people you trust. Oh, no. It's an, a- it's an IPA. Look, 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 look. Enjoy with people you trust. <laughs> Do you trust me? Mm. Oh. Uh, wow. Wait, so it's an American... It's an IPA. Yes. Okay. Oh, Illuminati. Oh, my God. Illuminati. Illuminati's six, on six. the bottle. On the can. I'll sniff this. Ooh. Ooh what the fuck? Okay. Oh my God! Hello. Yep, pineapple. Hello. Fruit right away. Kerm was not lying. No, Kerm was right. Kerm eight nine seven one. You want to smell this? That smells so good. What the fuck? Oh gosh! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Making a mess. I tried. I tried to get the pour in the mic and uh, it just spilled all over it's on my shirt. So you distracted me and you screwed up my pour. Oh no. Stop. Oh no. You are oh, so God. messy today. Oh, oh my no. God, stop moving. Putting that down. Oh my God. <laughs> it smells so good. Yeah, pineapple and orange. I'm into it. Yeah, the fruit is strong. Yeah, me too. Junior astronaut juice is very fruity. I guess the other ones are much stronger hmm. in flavor. Oh, that's why it's called Junior? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's for I don't juniors. know if it's a higher ABV or... It just smells so good. What the hell? And I love the can. It's so cute. Yeah, the smell is fantastic. It smells like a fresh pineapple. It really does. Very enjoyable. Let me know when you're ready over there. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, do it. Gen- did you finally finish spilling? Yes. I'm done spilling. Gentle clink. What does this remind me of? Ooh, man, that's good. Man, that's good. This reminds me of a beer we've had. Yeah, me too, kind of. Kind of like Bat Squatch. That was also, yeah, that was also very fruity and citrusy. Hits the throat uh, the same way. I think it's Bat Squatch. Um, I have to look. Ooh. It's smooth, though. Yes. Not as smooth as the last one, but this is smooth. There's... That's good. Yeah, maybe maybe Bad Squatch or what was... um. Uh, candy... No, Candy Crushable was an APA. Mm, was maybe, that fruity? Uh, more lactose. More lactose. It was sugar. <laughs> um, the only one... Or Sailor's I, Kush? Um, Sailor's was Kush? Was that fruity? Was very fruity. So re- reminiscent, but it didn't have the same hit to it yeah. as Bat Squatch. I guess reminiscent of Bat Squatch and Sailor's Kush. It is uh, op- a little opaque, mm-hmm. um, more golden colored. Please don't spill it. No. Golden colored, a deep gold. Um, yeah, it looks like, what was that one beer that described it as like uh, hazy orange juice or something? Yeah. <laughs> um. And then you asked me, what's hazy orange juice? <laughs> oh, it's an interesting kind of orange juice. Um, it's a darker orange juice. This is really good. It's very, very fruity, very crisp and refreshing. And it's my fourth beer today <laughs> since three o'clock. You alky. I mean, not much else to say. 
No, it's very enjoyable. It uh, very easy to drink. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it it just reminds me of something we've had already. Yeah, I really think it's bad squash. That's where it hits home at. But I'd say more citrusy than bad squash was. So real quick, we'll rate this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Pay drank this a three. I ranked this a two, giving it an overall score of two point five. Uh, this is the last beer um, of our ten since Sequench. Um, so, just a reminder: all of these beers will you can view on our beer list. I think it's bit.ly/baflist. Um, I think it's on our Facebook. You can view it on our Reddit posts. All of our um, descriptions in the videos has the link to view our beer list, which shows all the beers that we've had in previous episodes, the style, the brewery, the score it was given on Beer Advocate, the ranking, and then what we scored it compared to all the other beers. So, uh, number one, uh, which we both agreed on, is Sailor's Kush, uh, which was episode five. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, 15. Um, Sailor's Kush, that was by Half Acre. It was an IPA. Score 92. Oh, such a good beer. That was a very good beer. Um, and then tied for second place uh, is Tropical Bitch and this beer here. What do you have in your number 10? we're trying here. Uh, we both agreed on number 10 of Pumpkin. Solitude and Sadness. Oh, Solitude and Solitude Sadness. Solitude and Sadness was number 10. Um, and then uh, number, like I said, 2.5 was tied for Tropical Bitch and, and this beer. Uh, the next beer... Was a five, dead guy, mm. um, came in I guess third or fourth, um, above solitude and sadness was pumpkinhead. Mm. So but you can view the whole score uh, list on our on our link there. It's essentially an Excel spreadsheet. So sailors Kush. Good beer, man. Good beer, man. Don't you mock me. This is also really good, too. Yeah. Um, I'd like to point out that most of my beer picks are a fucking plus. Um, I think... Did you do Sailor's Kush? I did. Um, oh, yeah, you did. I, I did Sailor's Kush. I did Tropical Bitch. I did the uh, even ones. I did Dead Guy. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you also did Pumpkinhead. So. Yeah, it was just because I wanted to be holiday-ish, you know? <laughs> I wanted to do, like, something that fit with the season. I did Bad Squatch, okay? That so. was the first season. <laughs> Get with the new season. Frickin' boomer. <clears throat> really good beer. Excellent pick. Definitely recommend. Good pick for aliens. I don't know if I'll be able to finish it just because I'm so tired right now. I'm but bloated and tired. Exactly. A lot of beer. So... But let's get into it. Teach me <coughs> about dying. aliens while you have a croup cough. I told you I'd do your eulogy, right? At your funeral. Aw. Oh, nice. Yeah. He was a guy. This was a man. He, he lived. Had facial hair. Yep. And he stood exactly five foot eight. <coughs> five foot seven. Five foot nine on a good day. Yeah, five foot nine on a good day. So aliens um, is actually is just such a broad topic. Yes, I feel like uh, we might decide later down the road to revisit it and talk about different types of aliens, specific types of aliens. And throughout my research, uh, I found that Wikipedia doesn't have an alien article. <laughs> if you just search alien, it'll it's the disambiguation sort mm. of article. It shows all the different articles. There. Did you type in extraterrestrial? Uh, they do have an extraterrestrial life article. So they don't have an alien article, but um, extraterrestrial life is where I started on Wikipedia because we all know most of this information is directly pulled verbatim from Wikipedia. I don't know what you're talking about. <coughs> I think you're full of shit. <laughs> oh, oh, there he goes. He's dead now. Uh, we got to be quick. I'm falling asleep. Extraterrestrial life is hypothetical life that may occur outside of Earth and that did not originate on Earth. Uh, it can range from simple cellular organisms to intelligent or sapient beings. Mm -hmm. So once a, when one says alien life, it can really refer to anything in that spectrum. Sure. Uh, evidence, research, and information varies depending on which forms of life you're talking about. But when most people say alien, 
They're typically referring to the stereotypical depiction of the skinny, uh, bipedal, human-like beings. Or <laughs> the guy with the crazy hair on the History Channel. Aliens. Aliens. Wikipedia lists several alleged extraterrestrial beings, but the ones I'll be talking about in this episode are referred to as greys. Oh my god, I was hoping you were going to do it on the greys. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely. My favorite. <clears throat> so, grey aliens, also referred to as greys, Zeta Reticulans, or Roswell greys, yes. are typically described as being human-like with small bodies with smooth grey-colored skin and large hairless, hairless heads Love them. and large black eyes. <clears throat> They possess reduced forms of or completely lack external external human body parts such as noses, ears, or sex organs. Their bodies are usually depicted as being elongated, having a small chest, and lacking in muscular definition and visible skeletal, skeletal structure, uh, akin to my body. You were just most bitching. Of the time. Up, you were just bitching about how you gained twenty pounds. <clears throat> their legs are depicted as being shorter and jointed differently from humans with. Their limbs proportionally different from a human, and they are also depicted as having unusually large heads in proportion to their hairless bodies, and no noticeable outer ears or noses, sometimes with small openings or other orifices for ears, nostrils, and mouths. According to C.D.B. Bryan, Hello. 73% of all reported alien encounters in the United States describe gray aliens, mm-hmm. a significantly higher proportion than other countries. They were popularized by the Barney and Betty Hill abduction claim, Mm -hmm. but some descriptions and sightings appeared earlier. They've emerged as an archetypal, 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 uh, archetypals, (laughs) archetypes, image of an intelligent non-human creature and extraterrestrial life in general, as well as an iconic trope of popular culture in the age of space exploration. One of the first known references to greys comes from a 1893 article, Man of the Year Million, where science fiction author H.G. Wells envisioned the possibility of humanity being transformed into a race of gray-skinned beings who are perhaps one meter tall with big heads and large oval-shaped pitch-black eyes. In 1965, newspaper reports of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction made the archetype famous. The alleged abductees, Betty and Barney Hill, claimed that in 1961, alien beings have abduct- had abducted them and taken them to a flying saucer. Under hypnosis, Betty Hill produced a star map, which she claimed located the home planet of her abductors in the Zeta Reticuli star system. Betty thereafter began to refer to them as Zeta Reticulans. The term greys did not come into usage until many year- years later. In his 1990 article, Entirely Un predisposed. Martin Kottmeyer suggests that Barney's memories revealed under hypnosis might have been influenced by an episode of the science fiction television show The Outer Limits, hmm. titled The Bellarose Shield, which was broadcasted about two weeks before Barney's first hypnotic session. The episode featured an extra- extraterrestrial with large eyes who says, in all the universes and all the unities beyond the universes, all who have eyes have eyes that speak. The report from the regression featured a scenario that was in some respects similar to the television show. Hmm. So maybe they're thinking this oh, is where I got it. I'm having flashbacks to Chupacabra. Chupacabra? Yeah, the woman that said she saw it and described it like the animal from Splice. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. That she had seen like a week prior. Yep. She's like, it looked like just like the animal from Splice. <laughs> it looked like the animal from Splice. Pretty sure that's the actress. Exactly like that. The Greys appear as the aliens in the 1977 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I never saw that. I need to. It's a good movie. Uh, that same year, a species of gray alien type beings called the Bith were depicted as the Cantina Band in the film Star Wars. <laughs> a duo of a different species of gray alien type beings called the Duros also appeared in the Cantina scene. I have photos of both. Look, In case we, you don't know what these look like, I'll know what they look like. They will be on our website, beardfearcast.podbean.com. If you're a nerd and have, or you can open Star the sidebar Wars. on the left, and then click on our episodes to view the <coughs> pictures. Both of these aren't loading on my computer. That's a Bith alien. 
I know what bits. Yeah. yeah, I know what they are. You know what they are, right? You know Star Wars. And then uh, these are actually the um, Duros aliens, which also appeared in the same scene, but they're not as popular, you know. They're not the ones playing the instruments. During the early 1980s, Greys uh, were linked to the alleged crash landing of a flying saucer in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. A number of publications contained statements from individuals who claimed to have seen U.S. military handling a number of un- unusually proportioned bald child-sized beings. Mm. These individuals claimed during and after the incident that the beings had oversized heads and slanted eyes, but without other distinguishable fac- facial features. In 1987, novelist Whitley Stryber published the book Communion, which, unlike his previous works, was categorized as nonfiction, and in which he describes a number of close encounters he alleges to have experienced with greys and other extraterrestrial beings. The book became a New York Times bestseller, and New Line Cinema released a 1989 film adaption that starred Christopher Walken as uh, Stryber. There's the, the book, <laughs> the cover of the book with the gray alien on it. During the 1990s, popular culture began to increasingly link grays to a number of military-industrial complex and New World Order conspiracy theories. A well-known example of this occurring as a form of entertainment was the Fox television series The X-Files, which first aired in 1993. It combined the quest to find proof of the existence of gray-like extraterrestrials with a number of UFO conspiracy theory subplots in order to form its primary story arc. In 1995, filmmaker Ray Santilli claimed to have obtained 22 reels of 16mm film that depicted the autopsy of a, quote, real gray supposedly recovered from the site of the 1947 incident in Roswell, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. However, in 2006, Santilli announced that the film was not original, but was instead a, quote, reconstruction created after the original film was found to have degraded. He maintained that a real gray had been found and autopsied on camera in 1947, and that the footage released to the public contained a percentage of that original footage. Um, I actually found it on YouTube. So this is here. Watch it here. You are not allowed to do things ever anymore. <laughs> that was uh, from Whitest Kid You Know. Yeah, I picked that up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch the video that we just uh, looked up, you can search on YouTube. WKUK Alien Autopsy is where we found it. And uh, mm-hmm. it does show part parts of the original footage of the 1947 uh, autopsy when they found that alien uh, crash landed. So WKUK alien autopsy. Uh, greys are often involved in alien abduction claims. Among reports of alien encounters, greys make up approximately 50% in Australia, 73% in the United States, like we mentioned, 48% in continental Europe, and around 12% in the United Kingdom. These reports include two distinct groups of greys that differ in height. Abduction claims are often described as extremely traumatic, similar to an abduction by humans or even a sexual assault in the level of trauma and distress. Research has shown that the emotional impact of perceived abductions can be as great as that of combat, sexual abuse, and other traumatic events. The eyes are often a focus of abduction claims. Claims often describe a gray staring into the eyes of an abductee when conducting mental procedures. This staring is claimed to induce hallucinogenic states or directly provoke different emotions. Neurologist Stephen Novella proposes that gray aliens are a byproduct of the human imagination, with the gray's most distinctive features representing everything that modern humans traditionally link with intelligence. Quote, the aliens, however, do not just appear as humans. They appear like humans with those traits we uh, psychologically associate with intelligence. In 2005, Frederick V. Malmstrom, writing in Skeptic Magazine, presents his idea that greys are actually residual memories of early childhood development. Malmstrom reconstructs the face of a grey 
through transformation of a mother's face based on our best understanding of early childhood sensation and perception. Malmstrom's study offers another alternative to the existence of grays, the intense instinctive response many people experience when presented an image of a gray, and the act of regression hypnosis and recovered memory therapy in recovering memories of alien abduction experiences along with their common themes. It has also been promoted been proposed that the grays are actually distorted memories of traumatic experiences faded with time, especially according to studies by Malmstrom and similar researchers. Quote, it's easier to imagine being abducted by alien creatures than to face the traumatic memories of being bullied by peers or assaulted by an aggressive man. Interesting where he comes to these... uh draws these conclusions from. Mm. According to biologist Jack Cohen, the typical image of a gray, assuming that it would have evolved from a world with different environmental and ecological conditions from Earth, is too physiologically similar to a human to be credible as a representation of an alien. So, I kind of agree. Like, our our stereotypical depiction of an alien is very human-like. Mm-hmm. You know, it contains all the normal... Uh, you know, limbs and anatomy, essentially, structure-wise, mm-hmm. of a human. And I think that's mostly due to us, you know, assigning those. Not from any um, actual facts or hard evidence. Some UFOologists explain such implausible coincidences as evidence that ex- extraterrestrial beings may have had influence on the evolution of life on Earth in the distant past the theory of ancient astronauts, specifically that extraterrestrials were involved in the evolution of primates, including humans. So maybe it, it, you know, it's not aliens are a result of our, you know, the characteristics that we give them. It's Mm -hmm. actually the opposite. Aliens had a, I always see, and I always agree with that aliens had an influence on our world rather than visitors having, uh, adopted anything from us right so definitely a a different way to view that um which i can i can see why Mm -hmm. uh some conspiracy theorists believe that grays represent part of a government-led disinformation or plausible deniability campaign or that they're a product of government mind control experiments Hmm. (laughs) uh because everything's a conspiracy yes of course And when I was looking up um, photos of, uh, you know, there's a standard depiction of an mm-hmm. alien. When I was looking up photos of uh, aliens, it just Googled alien depiction or alien photo. Sure. Um, this popped up. <laughs> that makes me think of the birds or drones. <laughs> uh, it's a picture of a squirrel. Um, and the caption for this uh, photo that I pulled up on this article, gray squirrels introduced from North America in the 1900s, are now driving continental Europe's native red squirrels to the brink of extinction. The headline of this article is, Alien Species Are Accelerating Their March Across the Globe. Yes. This is from sciencemag.org. Uh, and I, I thought it was a funny article because it shows different charts. This chart says alien invasion, global number of new alien species. And... Uh, you know, shows the numbers there. Sure. And then this next chart, Space Invaders, New Alien Species by Texa, 1800 to 2000. And shows charts of plants, insects, fish, mollusks. What I deduced from this is that they're um, referring to new species as aliens. Mm-hmm. And they're putting a spin on it to make it humorous. Mm. Yeah. That there's an alien invasion when they're just talking about new species that are becoming a thing. Gotcha. I'm done. Oh, okay. I need to, like, wake up. I'm so tired. Like, I'm falling asleep. It's late. Aren't you used to staying up late, though? Um, sometimes. My sleep schedule's fucked. Mm. Now that Zachary is done, let's get into the <laughs> real fun here. Nope. Alien abductions. <gasps> and probes. Ooh. Probes. Probes. Jeff. Proby daddy. Oh my god, I hated every second of that. That was horrible. <laughs> Anyways, early cases of alien abduction uh, start out with Antonio Villas Boyas. Okay. 
his case from Brazil in 1957 and the Hill abduction from the United States in 1961. They were the first cases of UFO abduction to earn widespread attention. All those, the, although these two, all those, these two cases are sometimes viewed as the earliest abduction narratives. Skeptic Peter Rogerson argues that this assertion is incorrect. The Hill and the, uh, 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 and the Hill and the Antonio abductions, he contends, were only the first uh, canonical, 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 canonical abduction cases, establishing a template from which later abductees and researchers would refine, but rarely deviate. Additionally, Rogerson's notes purported abductions were cited uh contemporary oh my god i don't even know what you're saying anymore i don't know either i'm tired Ugh. while alien abduction did not achieve widespread attention until the 1960s many similar stories are known to have been circulating decades earlier these early abduction-like accounts have been dubbed paleo-abductions by UFO researcher Jerome Clark. Some paleo-abductions were reported well before the 1957 um, Antonio Villas case, um, which earned much attention, or even before the UFO report claimed in 1947 by pilot Kenneth Arnold that first generated widespread interest in UFOs. Uh, at least one case of attempted abduction was reported in conjunction with the mystery, uh, mystery airships of the late 19th century. Uh, Colonel H.G. Shaw's account was published in the Stockton, California Daily Mail in 1897. Uh, Shaw claimed that he and a friend were harassed by three tall, slender humanoids whose bodies were covered with a fine downy hair. The beings tried to accost or kidnap Shaw and his friend who were able to fight them off. You're seeing killer clowns from outer space. Downy hair? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, God. Watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> In the book New Lands, American writer Charles Fort speculated that extra correct... Uh, extra correct... <laughs> extra correct <real. laughs> There are two correct. What, what's that... Um, What do you do when you like go to like take like art class? Oh, extracurricular? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extracurricular beings. <laughs> <laughs> speculated that extraterrestrial beings might have kidnapped humans. One supposes that if extra mundane vessels have sometimes come close to this earth, then sailing away, uh, terrestrial aeronauts may have occasionally left this earth or may have been seized and carried away from this earth. Which is a quote, a quote from Charles Ford. Okay. Uh, the 1951 case of Fred Reagan was publicized by Flying Saucer Review, my favorite magazine, in the late 1960s based on news clippings from 19, uh, 1952. Reagan claimed to have been piloting his small airplane, which was struck by a UFO. <laughs> the occupants, who resembled metallic stalks of asparagus, apologized and tried to Ap- cure Reagan's cancer. Apologized? And I said they were sorry. Sorry we hit your, your airplane. Let me <laughs> the figure, asparagus said Let me sorry. cure your cancer. <laughs> Reagan <coughs> reportedly died of a brain disorder not long after the alleged UFO encounter. Hmm. But not of his cancer. They cured his cancer but gave him a brain disorder. Exactly. In 1954... Paris Match printed a story said to have occurred in 1921 when the anonymous writer was a child. The writer claimed to have been snatched by two tall men, air quotes, who wore helmets and diving suits, who took the boy to an oddly shaped tank before being released. Uh, Rogerson calls this story the earliest known abduction survivor report. What is your face right now? Hmm. The, The diving suits confusing isn't it odd a 1958 letter to uh nicap nicap uh national investigations committee on aerial phenomena okay uh, asserted that two u.s army soldiers witnessed two bright red lights near their base the soldiers had a strange sense of disassociation and found themselves in a new location with no memory of how they arrived there which Mm. i actually remember reading about that it's weird when it happens to more than one person Mm mm-hmm and you've got someone like there's to someone like to be like, yes, this happened to us yeah. together. But then you also have to consider the fact that sometimes people are just assholes that like to spread like 
rumors, like how the Salem witch trials started. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Uh, Rogerson writes that the publication of Harold T. Wilkins' Flying Saucers Uncensored in 1955 declared that two contactees, Carl Hunrath and Wilbur Wilkinson, had disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Wilkins report uh, reported speculation that the duo were the victims of alleged abduction by flying saucers. The so-called Shaver mystery of the 1940s has some similarities to later abduction accounts, as well as with sinister beings saying to be said to be kidnapping and torturing people. Rogerson writes that John Robinson, a friend of ufology gadfly Jim Mosley, made a 1957 appearance on John Nebel's popular overnight radio program to tell a dramatically spooky, if not very plausible, abduction tale. Spoopy. Related to the Shaver mystery. Robinson claimed that a friend of his had been held captive by the evildoers beneath the... I'm sorry, the Daros. I'm sorry, I didn't, I, my brain went weird. By the... I don't know if it meant to put doers or Daros. Okay. Uh, beneath the earth and to have been the victim of a sort of mind control via small earphones. Uh, Rogerson writes that in this unlikely tale that we first encountered the implants and other abductionist staples. That's when we start getting into the probes. Uh-oh. I'm not going into them. I'm just saying. Oh, That's when okay. they start implementing tools. <laughs> That's when they start implementing them. Uh, allegedly, genuine stories of kidnapped by extraterrestrials goes back at least to the mid-1950s with the Antonio case, which did not receive much attention until several years later. Uh, widespread uh, publicity was generated by Betty and Barney Hill abduction case of 1961, again, not widely known until several years afterwards, culminating in a made-for-television film broadcast in 75, starring James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons, dramatizing the events. Yeah. I remember um, I've listened to a couple podcasts that cover that, uh, that particular case. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to talk about one of those cases in particular. Not like. Too. Perfect. Literally about to. What a segue. Antonio. I I don't even want to say his last name. Antonio, no last name. Yep, that's him. Uh, He was born in 1934 and died in 91. Was a Brazilian farmer, later a lawyer, who claimed to have been abducted by extraterrestrials in 57. Uh, Though similar stories have circulated for years beforehand, Villas claims... Uh, were claims were among the first alien abduction stories to receive white attention. Mm-hmm. The abduction day was October 16th, 57. Like I said, he was taken from a ser- an area of open fields. Mm. At the time of his alleged abduction, Antonio was a 23 year old Brazilian farmer who was working at night to avoid the hot temperatures of the day as one does. I didn't know his name was Antonio. I said it like six times. Mm. On October 16th, he was plowing fields near Sound... Oh, I wait. I thought this was the Barney and Betty Hill thing. No, this is Antonio. I thought you were going to talk about the Barney and Betty Hill thing. I'm going to do that one next. <gasps> Can you calm down? I'm so excited. Ugh. Uh, when he saw what he described as a red star in the night sky. Mm. According to his story, this star approached his position growing in size until it became recognizable as a roughly circular or egg-shaped aerial craft with a red light at its front and rotating... Um, <laughs> Your face. Cupola? Cupola? It says it's a small dome-like a structure. Cupula? Cupula. Cupula, something like that. I think it's cupula. I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know. Cupula. 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 The craft began descending to land in the field, extending three legs as it did so. At that point, Antonio decided to run from the scene. Smart boy. According to Antonio, he first attempted to leave the scene on his tractor, but when its lights and engine died after traveling only a short distance, he decided to continue on foot. However, he was seized by a 1.5 meter, 5 foot tall humanoid who was wearing gray coveralls and a helmet. Its eyes were small and blue, and instead of speech, it made noises like barks or yelps. Three similar beings then joined the first in subduing Antonio, and they dragged him inside their craft. Once inside the craft, Antonio said that he was stripped of his clothes and covered from head to toe with a strange gel. He was then led into a large semicircular room through a doorway that had strange red symbols written over it. 
Antonio claimed that he was able to memorize these symbols and later reproduce, uh, reproduce them for investigators. In this room, the beings took samples of his blood from his chin. Because that's where you draw blood. Yeah, that's where all the blood cells are. Mm -hmm. That's where my veins are. <laughs> uh, after this, he was take, then taken to a third room and left alone for around half an hour. During this time, some kind of gas was pumped into the room, which made Antonio become violently ill. Shortly after this, he claimed that he was joined in the room by another humanoid. This one, however, was female, very attractive, and naked. Okay. She was the same height as the other beings he had encountered with a small pointed chin and large blue cat-like eyes. The hair on her head was long and white, somewhat like platinum blonde. But her underarm and pubic hair were bright red. Antonio said he was strongly attracted to the woman and the two had sexual intercourse. Oh, my God. It's During a bunch of bullshit. this act, Antonio noted that the female did not kiss him, but instead nipped him on the chin. Because, like, when you're abducted, you have to start complaining about the sexual intercourse that you get from your abductees. <laughs> from your abductors. You're just like, well, why won't you kiss me? Apparently... In uh, Alien World, all of your veins are in your chin. Everything's sexy. And your erogenous zones Everything are in your chin. Everything sexy happens yep. on the chin. It's all mm, in the chin. Let me see that chin, baby. <laughs> when it was all over, the female smiled and said, that was it. <laughs> Five seconds later, when it was all over. <laughs> the female smiled at Antonio, rubbing her belly and gestured upwards. There's a creepy alien baby somewhere. Antonio took this to mean that she was going to raise their child in space. She oh said, my God. I'm going to need child support. <laughs> Do you have a galactic post office? <laughs> the female seemed relieved that their task was over. She did not enjoy herself. Uh, uh -huh. And Antonio himself said that he felt angered by the situation because he felt as though he had been little more than a good stallion for the humanoids. <laughs> Thinking very highly of yourself there, right. Antonio. No, that's a lot of bullshit. Antonio said that he was then given back his clothing and taken on a tour of the ship by the humanoids. During this tour, he said that he attempted to take a clock-like device as proof of his encounter, but was caught by the humanoids and prevented from doing so. He was then escorted off the ship and watched as it took off, glowing brightly. When Antonio returned home, he discovered that four hours had passed. In his life, he later became a lawyer and had four kids. Not alien-related. <laughs> no alien kids? No. He stuck mm. to the story of his alleged abduction for his entire life. Isn't cool story, wild? bro. Cool story, Antonio. You know, it, it can't just be, I got abducted. It's got to be, I got abducted and I, <laughs> and I got, fucked, a, and fucked, I fucked an, alien. an attractive alien. Yep. <laughs> had to add that she was attractive yep. with blonde hair and blue eyes. Like, what the fuck? What is this? Is she Twiggy? Is she the supermodel Twiggy? <sighs> Anyways, the next case and my last case, because I'm ready to go home, uh, is on Barney and Betty Hill. Hell yeah. And their they, dog. And their dog. Don't forget the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were an American couple who claimed they were abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of New Hampshire from September 19th to the 20th of 61. Did they get it on with any aliens? We're going to find out. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Barney died uh, February 25th, 1969 at the age of 46, and Betty died October 23rd, 2004 at the age of 85. Well, that's a quick story. Yeah, that's it. We're done. No detail at all. <laughs> that's it. <He's> just done. <laughs> they were abducted and they died. And they're dead now. <laughs> the incident came to be called the Hill Abduction and the Zeta Reticuli Incident. Yes. Because the couple stated that they had been kidnapped by aliens who claimed to be from the Zeta Reticuli system. Uh, the Hills lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, Barney was employed by the United States Postal Service, and Betty was a social worker, active in the local Unitarian congregation. The Hills were also members of the NAACP and community leaders. Upstanding so, citizens. Yes, clearly. Not a screw loose. Mm. They are and the, they had a dog. Yes, and they had a dog. <clears throat> Do you talk about the dog? Can you please calm down? According to a variety of reports given by the Hills, the alleged UFO sighting happened on September 19th of 61, around 10.30 p.m. The Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal, just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter, which I love that she specifically knows. She's like, <laughs> The Barney, moon and Jupiter were in the sky. That's Jupiter. 
And if my coordinates are correct, that <laughs> is Orion's belt. She just had like a star map in yeah, her lap. She's super into it. Mm-hmm. Upward to the west of the moon. Planet Jupiter, up the mist. While Barney navigated US Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was observing a falling star, only it moved upward because. Okay. Yep. Since it moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, I almost said erotically, <laughs> Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look as well as to walk their dog. There you go. Yes, walk the dog. Delcy. Delcy, yes. Oh. Barney stopped at a scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain. Betty, looking through binoculars, observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights travel across across the face of the moon, which is made of cheese, just so you know. Mm. Because her sister had several years earlier said she had seen a flying saucer, Betty thought it might be what she was observing. Through binoculars, um, Betty observed what she reasoned. I'm sorry, Barney observed what he reasoned was a commercial airliner traveling toward Vermont on its way to Montreal. Mm -hmm. However, he soon changed his mind because without looking as if it had turned, the craft rapidly descended in his direction. This observation caused Barney to realize this object that was a plane was not a plane. It was Superman. (gasps) They quickly returned to the car and drove toward uh, Franconia, 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 Franconia. The notch that you said. Yep. A narrow mountainous stretch of the road. The hills claimed that they continued driving on the isolated road, moving very slowly through the notch in order to observe the object as it came even closer. At one point, the object passed above a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and came out near the old man of the mountain. Betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long, Hmm. and that it seemed to be rotating. The couple watched as a silent, illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth in the night sky. It moved erratically. Approximately one mile south of Indian Head, they said the object rapidly descended toward their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The huge silent craft hovered approximately 80 to 100 feet above the hills, uh, 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, and filled the entire field of view in the windshield. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen about 8 to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him. In unison, all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Barney had a uh, recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be bat wing fins began to skeletor. (laughs) I was going to say telescope, but I ended up almost (laughs) saying skeletope. (laughs) Out of the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet, which huge... Huge. Huge. (laughs) Overhead and 300 feet away from him. On October 21st, Barney reported to National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, the NICAP, uh, investigator Walter Webb, that the uh, the beings were somehow not human. Barney tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car. In a near hysterical state, he told Betty, they're going to capture us. He saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away at high speed, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which they they said seemed to bounce off the truck of their vehicle. Trunk. I'm okay, I swear. The car um, vibrated and a tingling sensation passed through the hills' bodies. Ooh. Ooh. The Hills said that they then experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. A second series of beeping or buzzing sounds returned the couple to full consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south but had only vague spotty memories of this section of road. They recalled making a sudden unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock, and observing a fiery orb in the road. Arriving home at about dawn, the hills assert that they had some odd sensations and impulses that they could not readily explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door rather than the main part of the house. Their watches would never work again. 
Barney said that the leather strap for the binoculars was torn, though he could not recall it tearing. The toes of his best dress shoes were scraped, which it just sounds like you're being nitpicky, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, though he found nothing unusual. He was compelled. <clears throat> the Ellens made me do it. Yes. They took long showers to remove possible contamination and each drew a picture of what they had observed. Mm-hmm. Perplexed, the Hills say they tried to reconstruct the uh, chronology of events as they witnessed the UFO and drove home, but immediately after they heard the buzzing sounds, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet, observing that the dress was torn at the hem, zipper, and lining. Later, when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noticed a pinkish powder on her dress. Hmm. She hung the dress on her clothesline, and the pink powder blew away, but the dress was irreparably damaged. She threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieving the dress and hanging it in her closet. Over the years, five laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on the dress. There were shiny uh, concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there the previous day. Uh, Betty and Barney experimented with a compass, noting that when they moved it close to the spots, the needles would whirl rapidly. But when they moved it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would drop down. Hmm. Uh, And then the report to the NICAP on uh, the 21st, Betty telephoned um, Peace, Peace Air Force Base, uh, to report their UFO encounter, though for fear of being labeled eccentric, she withheld some of the details. On the 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for a more detailed interview. Uh, The Henderson's report dated September 26th determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. He said, you don't know anything about the planet. (laughs) This was later changed to optical condition, inversion, and insufficient data. Okay. Uh, His report was forwarded to Project Blue Book, the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project. Within days of the encounter, Betty borrowed a UFO book from a local library. It had been written by retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, who was also the head of NICIP, a civilian research group. On September 26, Betty wrote to him. She related the full story, including the details about the humanoid figures that Barney had described through binoculars. Uh, Betty wrote that she and Barney were considering hypnosis to help recall what had happened. Her letter was eventually passed on to Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer and NICAP member. Uh, Webb met with the Hills on the 21st of October in 61 in a six-hour interview. Mm. The Hills related all they could remember of the UFO encounter. Barney asserted that he had developed a sort of mental block and that he suspected there were some portions of the event he did not wish to remember. He described in detail all that he could remember about the craft uh, and the appearance of the somehow not-human figures aboard the craft. Webb stated that they were telling the truth and that the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. Ten days after the alleged UFO encounter, Betty began having a series of vivid dreams. They continued for five successive nights. Never in her memory had she recalled dreams in such detail and intensity. But they stopped abruptly after five nights and never returned. They occupied her thoughts during the day. When she finally did mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic but not too concerned. And the matter was dropped. Betty did not mention them to Barney again. On November 1961, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams. In one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and men surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. She then realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest in the nighttime and of seeing Barney walking behind her, though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance of sleepwalking. The men stood about five feet to five foot four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin was a grayish color. In the dreams, Betty, Barney, and the men walked up a ramp into a dish-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. She and Barney were then taken to separate rooms. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Betty called this new man the examiner and said he had a pleasant, calm manner. Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect and she had difficulty understanding him. Hmm. 
The examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the difference between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair, and a bright light was shown on her. The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throats, eh, throats, she has multiple, Mm -hmm. throat and hands. He saved trimmings from her fingernails. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife, similar to a letter opener, to scrape some of her skin onto what resembled cellophane. He then tested her nervous system, and he thrust the needle into her navel, which caused Betty agonizing pain. Whereupon the leader waved his hand in front of her eyes, and the pain vanished. The examiner then left the room, and Betty engaged in conversation with the leader. She picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. She also asked from where he came, and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. In Betty's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. Hmm. She and Barney were taken to their car, where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, then resumed their drive. Whoa. Wild, right? What a wild ride. Now, obviously, all of that sounds made up and fictitious. I don't know why you're talking about that all happened. That was all 100% real accounts. Yes, I was there. Real things that occurred really. Yes. I was there for the entire thing. You were the dog. I was the dog. (laughs) I was Delcy. Uh, Obviously, you believe in aliens. I do. I think it's foolish to not. Uh... Do you believe in the aliens in the cons uh, in the context of um, in the const- in the context of human like beings like the ones you described in your story? Or I am open to all interpretations of aliens, mm-hmm. but I mostly would use the term aliens to describe people or creatures from other planets who exist and evolved in their own way. I think I would agree with you. I don't necessarily think they need to match the descriptions that of being us humanoid. humans have given yes, them. I agree. Uh, you know, gray people with big eyes and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I definitely believe that they are there. There is life. There is beyond, life beyond yes. our galaxy, exactly. and there's life on other planets within yeah. our galaxy. Correct. I agree. I think it's foolish and hilarious to think that out of. The infinite cosmos mm-hmm. we evolved. Earth is w- the, the only, only thing with sentient life. Right. Like, really? True. Just silly. <clears throat> what did you think of the beer? Beer was delicious. I can't finish it. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I don't know if sick. I can either. Um, Too much beer. You had a lot of beer today. Uh, it's very good. Yeah, it reminded me of Bad Squatch. Uh, very fruity and crisp mm-hmm. and refreshing. Um, but also a little bit hoppy. Yes. Um, it's the best of both worlds. Best of an IPA and best of a fruit beer mixed together. You can get a lot of pineapple and orange and other fruits, and it smells great. So, Good beer. Good beer. Excellent pick for this episode. Well. And. We're probably going to take, what, a week off? Oh, yeah. Well, if we, if we record another bonus episode, yeah, we'll need to. Yeah, we'll need to record one more bonus episode. Mm. Um, but yeah, we can have a bonus episode after 20, take a week off. But uh, and we'll have 19 and 20, obviously. So um, anyway, next episode after this might be a bonus episode, but then we'll pick right back up with 21. Mm-hmm. Beer and fearcast at gmail.com is our email. We are trying to get stories for flight, Frights and Flights, uh, which is where we read your personal horror scary or supernatural whatever stories on the show shout you out and drink whatever beer that you suggest with the story so if you have any personal stories just feel free to email them our way we're on facebook twitter instagram and reddit all of our soon to be tiktok and yeah page is gonna work on tiktok uh so you can follow us uh on those platforms and stay up to date with our new episodes and uh, Paige's Pet Picks on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're available on pretty much every single podcast platform out there. So uh, be sure to check us out and uh, follow our stuff if you like what you hear. Yes. Uh, that was episode 20. 
aliens. Have a good day. And have a good day. Oh, I'm tired. my life I want ice cream stuff. Every waking second of my life I want ice cream. I have ice cream. I almost opened this can. That's how distracted I am right now. Individually, what's happening? Individual servings of ice cream. You don't need a whole pint of it. Just I don't know what to do right now. Get ice cream. <laughs>